Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerning Hearts presents Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. This podcast is an audio taken from a Discerning Hearts seminar conducted by Father Gallagher on Discerning the Will of God. Handouts alluded to by Father Gallagher can be found in the post connected to this episode at discerninghearts.com. The video instruction can be found in the same post as well or on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. We now begin Conference 1 of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. Welcome. Our topic in these conversations is discerning the will of God in the teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Obviously, a pretty important topic for the uh, spiritual life. So welcome, and we'll be exploring this in our subsequent conversations as we go forward. Now, a very first question is, well, why St. Ignatius of Loyola? Uh, We may be a pretty good-sized group here, and virtually over time we'll be more. And it's quite likely that uh, maybe none of us uh, are Jesuits. Oftentimes, I've been in settings where I'll have several hundred people going through Ignatius on discernment, and uh, there's not a Jesuit in the room. Parenthetically, sometimes there are. But why why will a group of people, none of whom are Jesuits, be looking specifically at St. Ignatius of Loyola for help with this question of discerning the will of God? Well, just as the teaching of St. of St. Francis of Assisi on poverty and gospel simplicity of life is a gift not only for the Franciscans, but for all in the church. Think, for example, of the name of our present Pope. And just as the writings of St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross on the higher states of prayer are not only for the Carmelites, but are a gift for the entirety of the church. And just as the love of the liturgy and the skill with liturgical prayer of St. Benedict and the Benedictine tradition is a gift not only for the Benedictines themselves, but through them for the entirety of the church, in the same way, the teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola on discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit not only for the Jesuits, but for all in the Catholic spiritual tradition who want to learn more about discernment, so that uh, very readily in the Catholic spiritual tradition, anyone who wants to grow in the ability to discern God's will will readily look at the teaching of Ignatius of Loyola. So it's just a way of saying that this is a teaching for all in the church. Now, if you know the life of St. Ignatius of Loyola, you know that until the age of 30, it was something of an Augustine story. Uh, He never doubted his Catholic faith, but he certainly didn't live in accord with it. As we've said in other settings, one uh, simple way of saying it is that with the exception of the second commandment, which he always felt was unworthy uh, of anyone to speak of God that way, there were probably not many of the remaining nine that Ignatius did not break in some pretty serious way during these first 30 years of his life. And then when Ignatius is 30, he's wounded in battle, Uh, his right leg is completely shattered, 
and he undergoes long months of convalescence and uh, some uh, further surgeries. And in the course of that, somewhat unwillingly, but to pass the time, uh, begins to read the only books available to him, one which is a life of Christ, meditations on the life of Christ, and another a volume with lives of the saints. And this is the turning point in his life. As he begins to realize that when he reads these things, there's a kind of lasting joy in his heart that he doesn't find uh, even when he spent hours uh, pursuing in his thoughts as he convalesces a more worldly way of life, which is engaging while he thinks about it, but which invariably leaves him feeling somewhat empty. And this is the beginning of his teaching on discernment. And it's out of this, as Ignatius will pursue this down through the years of his life, learn more from his own experience and that of the many who began coming to him and enlightened by the gift of the Holy Spirit, he was able to shape in clear and usable terms an answer to the question, how can we know God's will in choices that we face? And that's obviously our topic. Now, Ignatius, when he deals with discernment, speaks of two different kinds of discernment. They're, they're related, but they are distinct. And the first is discernment of spirits. And this is something we've gone through in other settings when we've gone through his 14 rules, his first set of 14 rules for the discernment of spirits. He has a second set of rules as well. And the focus here in discernment of spirits is on the ups and downs of the daily spiritual life, what he calls spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. And being able to sift out these different states of heart and their related thoughts, understand what's of God and not of God in it, what's of God and of the enemy, to use again his familiar vocabulary, and then to firmly reject what is of the enemy and firmly embrace what is of God or the good spirit, again, as he says. So this is obviously of great value, and we've gone through this in other settings. Our focus now is the second kind of discernment, which is at the heart of his spiritual exercises. And this is, here is a person who loves the Lord and wants to do God's will, is faced with the choice of some importance in life. Uh, it might be vocational, career, it may involve significant changes for the family, perhaps moving from one place to the other. Uh, does Is God asking us to adopt a child? Is God calling me to uh, train for spiritual direction or some new ministry in the church and so forth? And this person wants to do God's will and is looking for help in being able to understand, discern, which of these choices is God's will. That it will be our focus. Now, I said that two, these two forms of discernment are interrelated, as we'll see further along in our reflections, because at one point, Ignatius will show us that one of the ways in, in which God may give clarity when we are seeking to discern his will in choices is through the application of the rules for discernment, that is through discernment of spirits. We'll return to that. Our focus now is on discerning God's will in choices that we face. Now I'd like to introduce this by reading together the very first paragraph of Ignatius's spiritual exercises. So if you'll take your hand out, you have at the beginning of it this first paragraph from the exercises. And Ignatius says, By the term spiritual exercises is meant every method of examination of conscience, 
of meditation, of contemplation, of vocal and mental prayer, and of other spiritual activities that will be mentioned later. So this is the first thing to notice. From the very start, Ignatius tells us that if we want to discern God's will, there is a set of spiritual means or spiritual tools that are at our disposal. Ignatius will teach us how to use these in a process of discerning God's will. So that's the first thing that we're to note that we're going to need to take a look at in a sound process of discernment. What are these various spiritual means, ways of praying, discerning, uh, various activities in the spiritual life, the sacraments, and so forth, as they apply to a sound and healthy process of discernment? And then Ignatius gives us the analogy from which the title of his book is taken. For just as taking a walk, journeying on foot, and running are bodily exercises, so we call spiritual exercises every way of preparing. And let's just note this too. This is going to be key in any effective process of discernment. It doesn't just happen suddenly uh, without any kind of uh, forethought or uh, preparing the ground. A, a solid process of discernment needs to be prepared. How do we do that? Ignatius will be a master in showing us how to do that. So we call spiritual exercises every way of preparing. So we call spiritual exercises every way of preparing and disposing the soul. This word disposing is also going to be uh, very important in discernment. That is to say, <clears throat> excuse me here. <clears throat> this word disposing is going to be very important in the process of discernment, which is to say, for a discernment to be effective, our hearts need to have a certain disposition, this disposition of soul, a certain kind of availability um, that renders it possible to discern God's will. We'll be returning to this as well. So every way of preparing and disposing the soul to rid itself of all inordinate attachments so that our hearts are really free. They're not set on something in a way that makes it impossible or makes it difficult at least to be available to God in the choice. And after the removal of these inordinate attachments, every way, he says, of seeking and finding the will of God. So that's the process itself of discernment, seeking and finding. That's the actual process of discernment. Uh, seeking and finding the will of God in the disposition of our life for the salvation of our soul. So in embryo, already in that first paragraph, we have most of the elements that we're going to need to look at. Uh, the elements that Ignatius considers uh, essentially important in a good, healthy, effective process of discernment. Preceding, uh, obviously, the application of any of those, it will be helpful for us to look at the different range of kinds of choices in which we uh, want to find God's will. It's obviously a very different thing to ask the Lord, how would you like me to spend the next hour in these various choices that I have? And then, for example, to discern one's career or vocation. So we'll look at the, the different kinds of choices in which we discern God's will. And that clarity, just distinguishing these various kinds, will already do much of what we need to help us discern God's will. Ignatius um, also is, is famously aware that the process of discernment has to begin 
has to be built on a solid foundation, what he calls his principle and foundation. We'll look at that foundation as well. We heard him mention the disposition of heart that we need in order to discern well. We'll look at that. The various spiritual tools or means, some of which he uh, named for us in that initial paragraph. What are they? How do we apply these in a process of discerning God's will? And then the actual seeking and finding of God's will, the actual discernment itself. And Ignatius, out of experience and guided by grace, individuated three primary patterns. They may not be exclusive, but they are uh, important enough that he wants to clarify these for us. Three different ways in which God may choose to reveal the answer, which choice he wishes in the discernment. And finally, the fruit of a sound, prayerful discernment built upon God and rooted in this spiritual tradition. So that's our, that's our outline, and let's just dive right in. So firstly, let's look at the various kinds of choice in which we discern God's will. And let's do this through a series of examples. And if you'd take the, these are just a brief vignettes to make points. And if you would uh, take your hand out, you have Kenneth here. Kenneth is struggling financially. So he's a businessman. He knows that if he does not inform his employer of a recent transaction with a customer, he will be able to retain a greater share of the profits from this transaction. All right, how does Kenneth discern in this case? Basically, the choice is between being honest or dishonest, between treating a client honestly or cheating a client who trusts him uh, to treat him honestly. The, the, the discernment itself is not difficult in this case because the choice here is between a good thing and a bad thing. And whenever the choice is between a good thing and a bad thing, it's very clear God never wills what is evil. God never wills what is bad. So in this choice or any similar choice, when we are choosing between what is good and what is bad or what is evil, it's very clear the discernment is not, as I say, is very clear and not difficult at all. God always wills what is good. God never wills what is bad. Now, having said that, that does not mean that it may not take on Kevin's part or our part if we find ourselves in situations in which the embracing of the bad choice would solve some problems for us. That does not mean that it may not take some courage to act out on this discernment. Uh, but the discernment itself is very clear. And as you can see, this already answers the question, what is God's will in uh, a great many choices that we'll face in life? Now, what if we're unsure about what is good or bad? What if we're not sure whether one of those options really is uh, God does see as good or whether it's morally bad? How do we answer that question? And Ignatius is very clear on this as well in his exercises. Prefacing his teaching on how to discern, Ignatius writes that all matters of which we may wish to make a choice must be lawful within our Holy Mother, the hierarchical church, which is really a lovely spiritual um, phrasing here. The hierarchical church is our mother and she's holy. So in any situation, and we can think of all the bioethical uh, issues, the medical issues and so forth that uh, are new today, and any number of issues like this as culture continues to 
to change as time goes by. Whenever we're not sure whether an option is actually morally good or morally bad, we look to the teaching authority, to the magisterium of the Catholic Church. There we find our clarity, and then the discernment is clear. Uh, we are obviously, again, never called upon to choose what is bad, always called upon to choose what is good. Let's take Ruth now that will move us into a different set of choices. Ruth is married and has three small children. Life is busy for her and her husband. Ruth sings well, and the choir director asks if she would lead the singing for Holy Week for the Holy Week services in the parish. Ruth loves singing and service, such singing and service. She also knows that this commitment will involve many hours of practicing with the choir, in addition to the ceremonies themselves. So how does uh, Ruth discern in this case? Now, obviously, we're in a different situation here than Kenneth, because the choice here is not between a good and a bad thing, but between one good thing and another good thing. The one good thing being the, the loving living of her marriage and her motherhood, uh, meeting the needs of her children, um, living the relationship as husband and wife in the way that she's called to through her vocation. And the other good thing is to exercise the talent which God has given her and which she loves, and that is uh, her musical skill, which would help to make the liturgical ceremonies of Holy Week more prayerful and therefore more fruitful for the people of the parish. How does Ruth discern God's will in a choice like this, or any one of us in any similar situation? And the principle which guides such discernments is fidelity to the duties of our state of life. So, what Ruth will need to determine here is whether the time and energy required to lead the singing for the parish for Holy Week can be done compatibly with the duties of her state of life, which she knows are God's will for her through God's call, God calling her to marriage and to motherhood. Will she be so much absent from the home and from her children and her marriage in a way that will cause uh, uh, some kind of suffering uh, that her, her duties as a wife and mother will not be met properly? Or is it possible for her to, to render the service to the parish compatibly with these duties of the state of life? And what she'll need to do here is look at the various factors involved. Uh, at one stage, when the children are very young, the answer will be different from Another stage, maybe uh, 10 years later, when the children are older and much more independent, or let's say if their mother, her mother has come to live with them and loves taking care of the children. Um, so all of, all of these different things is what she'll need to look at. But the principle that Ruth or any one of us in this kind of situation applies in order to discern God's will is, can I do this other good thing compatibly with the duties of my state of life? If yes then I can discern that God is calling me to it. If no, then I understand that God is not calling me to this. And again, um, in a way that is different, but parallel to what we said about Kenneth and the courage that he may need, let's say that Ruth discerns that uh, she cannot be that absent from the home um, because of the needs of her children and her family. And then it will cost her something but she will have the, the deep peace of heart of knowing that she has discerned God's will. And you know, 
this already clarifies for us one key reason why it's so worthwhile to learn how to discern and apply this teaching because it leads to peace of heart. Earlier, I spoke of the fruit of discernment. It can be summarized really in that single word. Ruth, uh, although it's, it's, it may cost her something to give up what she would have enjoyed so much in uh, leading the singing, she can uh, let it go with a deep peace of heart that she is solidly in God's will in doing this. She has discerned well. Let's say that we have the pastor of a parish, uh, a large active parish, and he is invited to lead a pilgrimage of two weeks to the Holy Land. He's never been there. He would love to go. The people would love to have him. He can see how spiritually fruitful it would be. But like Ruth, he will need to ask, can I do that compatibly with the duties of my state of life as a priest and pastor of this parish? Uh, if he cannot, obviously then he can discern that God is not calling him to this. If he can, he can discern that God is calling him to this. We'll return to this special presentation of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to this special presentation of Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. All right, uh, another set of choices now. And we'll exemplify this through Anthony. Anthony is under pressure to complete a business project in the next few days. He had planned to spend an hour with his eight-year-old son this evening, but now wonders whether he may need to dedicate this time to the business project. So Anthony has uh, agreed together with his son that they're going to spend some time together this evening. And let's say he's um, driving home from work. He's going to be home in 15 minutes. And let's say shortly before the working day ended, his boss approached him and just told him that there's uh, suddenly greater pressure to have the project on which Anthony is working ready for the next day, we'll say. And he asked Anthony if Anthony would be willing to dedicate some time in the evening or early morning in order to make this happen. So Anthony is now driving home. He loves the Lord, wants to do God's will, and he's wondering, Lord, what do you want? Uh, I had agreed to spend this time with my son. He's looking forward to it. My boss has uh, suddenly asked me now to get the project done, which will mean dedicating the evening to this project and make it unlikely that I can spend that time with my son. Lord, what, 
what is your will here? So you can see we're in a different set of choices now. These are what I would call the small daily choices that fill uh, the hours of each uh, day and its activity. And a person who loves the Lord and, and wants to make these choices in the Lord. Well, obviously, Anthony doesn't have a lot of time uh, to make this choice. What will Anthony do? How will Anthony approach this discernment or any one of us facing similar small daily choices that we really want to be in the Lord's will? So we have a third set of categories here now, small daily choices. All right, let's just look at these other two and then we'll um, look at the principle. So Lisa is aware of a small but real tension uh, with her friend, uh, Betty. She wonders whether she should call Betty today to say hello in the hope of resolving the tension. And she lifts up her heart briefly in prayer to the Lord. Lord, um, do you want me to do this or is this not the time? And then Walter, in a similar, different kind of setting, but the same sort of, of choice, Walter says hello to his friend Jerry after Mass on Sunday. So they're um, exiting the church after Mass on Sunday. There's Jerry. The thought occurs to him to invite Jerry to a talk on prayer on Wednesday evening in the parish. He wonders whether he should mention this to Jerry. Lord, do you want me to mention this to him or, or not? So Anthony, Lisa, and Walter are facing what I'm calling the small daily choices, and they want these to be in the Lord. How do they proceed? Well, let's take Anthony, but it will apply equally to these or any similar choice. The first thing is to pray. Is that too obvious to say? When you face these choices, uh, here is one child who needs my attention, but here's a, here's a, a task that I need to get done. Uh, here are different people who are asking for my help and I can't meet all these requests. Lord, what do you want? Uh, Lord, do you want me to uh, get this errand done this afternoon or meet this need at work or for the family or in the parish and so forth. The first thing is simply and essentially to pray. Now, think of Anthony uh, in the car or Lisa wondering about the phone call or um, uh, Walter wondering about whether he should just uh, mention the, the Wednesday talk in, in the parish to uh, his friend Jerry. This will be a brief prayer. Uh, this is not going off for an hour of prayer, just briefly lifting up our hearts to the Lord and asking the Lord to help us make this choice uh, as he would want us to make it. And then in such cases, we review the factors. So Anthony, for example, will look at the how urgent actually is that uh, project that the his boss feels is so urgent. Now, uh, could he, if he got up just a little bit earlier in the morning or rearranged his morning, have the time that he needs? to get it done uh, in time for what the boss needs? Or is it uh, really so demanding and so urgent that he really just does need to dedicate all of his, let's say, um, time after supper this evening and maybe even later than he would normally go for this project? What about the time spent with his son? Is it his son's birthday? Uh, is his son? Does his son have an important Little League game that really matters to his son and who's uh, at the, his father's presence at, at which really uh, is important to him? Or is it something that would, would the son could easily uh, accept, transferred to the next day, let's say, and so forth? So in all of these cases, as Lisa wonders whether she should call her friend Betty, she knows Betty 
She knows whether uh, Betty really appreciates a quick communication about things like this or whether Betty is somebody who needs time to absorb things first and then communication will be more fruitful and so forth. And the similar factors as Walter wonders about his friend Jerry. Uh, is it too soon? Jerry is just beginning to get closer to the Lord now. Is this too much too soon or would this be the right time for it? So we review the factors. And again, this is not going to be a matter of, of much time. Think of Anthony just uh, briefly doing this as he drives home. And then we make our best decision. And I want to emphasize that word best, which is important here. Is it the absolutely perfect decision? Anthony may not be sure. Lord, as best I can see, do you want me to spend the time on the business project this evening? Lord, as best I can see, do you want me to spend the time with my son? We just make our best decision. And this, this is a principle for everything in the spiritual life. God never asks more of us than our best. So we make the best decision uh, as, that, that we can do. Lord, as best I can see, Anthony says, I think you want me to spend the time with my son this evening. And then this is also very important. Then we do it. All right, we've done our best to discern, which is all God ever asked, and then we do it. So Anthony spends the time with his son. And this is also very important. We do it with peace. So that as Anthony, for example, is at the Little League game with his son, he's not constantly worrying. What about the other project? And, and uh, Lord, did I make the right decision? We do it and we do it with peace. We've done our best to discern, which, as I say, is all God is ever asking. And then if we really want to be Ignatian about it, we'll add another step. Uh, later, when it's possible, we'll review the experience. Let's say Anthony will review the experience and learn from it. So if he prays the examination of conscience, or as we call it today, the examine prayer in the evening, or in a time of prayer, he looks back on that choice he'll say, you know, that really was the right decision. Lord, thank you. And in another setting like that, uh, this will help me make uh, my, my decision. Or, uh, Lord, you know I did my best, but if I had to do it over again, I would, have I would dedicate the time to the work. So that we're reviewing and learning. And if we're living our lives like this, this is peaceful, serene, it's not adding any time to the day. But what it is doing, it's permitting Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. It's a beautiful way to live and to be growing in this uh, increasingly as the years of our lives go by. Let's look together at this quote from Cardinal Rainiero Cantalamesa, who is the apostolic preacher. He's been preaching for Holy Fathers now for probably about 20 years and then recently uh, named a cardinal. Anything he's written is always um, worth reading. And this is from a book, that, a small book that he wrote precisely on this topic. So he says, when I must decide to make or not to make a journey, to do a job, to make a visit, or to buy something. So these are the small daily choices. Some of these are a little bit more than the small daily choices, but these are not the career choices or vocational choices. These are the many choices that fill the... Um, the hours of our days. And so this is the question Cardinal Cantalamesa is approaching. How can I do that um, in adherence to the Lord's will? All right, so when I face choices like this, I'll first ask God by the simple means of prayer that is at everyone's disposal 
if it is his will that I make that journey, do that job, make that visit, buy that object, and then I'll act or not. And if I may ask this again, do we do that? Now, there's so much peace and so much light. And this will be increasingly, if we live this way as the weeks and months and years of our lives go by, uh, something wonderful comes into our life. I'll be quoting it later, but we can already mention it. This lovely line in Dante's Divine Comedy, in your will is our peace. It really is a beautiful way to live, which is one of the many reasons why it is worth living the discerning life. I have submitted the question to God. I have emptied myself of my own will. Let's just note that because that already describes the disposition of heart that Ignatius will call us to in any process of discernment. I have emptied myself of my own will. I have renounced deciding for myself and have given God the chance to intervene in my life if he so wishes. And this is a Copernican revolution from I'm in charge, I'm leading my own life to you are my Lord. All I want to do is what you want me to do, like Jesus, who always did the will of the Father. I have renounced, and so forth. Just as a faithful servant never takes an order from an outsider without saying, I must first ask my master, so the true servant of God undertakes nothing without saying to himself, I must first pray a little to know what my Lord wants of me. I've come to love this in my own life. And as I say, I love the clarity and the peace that grow in our lives when we live this way. Um, could I grow further in this? Definitely. But to the extent that I am able to implement this in my life, I love what happens, and you will too. The will of God, and this is the fruit of it, the will of God thus penetrates one's existence more and more, making it more precious and more rendering it a living, quoting from Romans 12, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And this is where it all leads. Um, are those just words for us? Jesus is Lord. Of course we believe them. Of course we want him to be Lord of our lives. But is he Lord every day of our lives? In the warp and woof, the ebb and flow, the ups and downs, the in and outs of life, is Jesus Lord? really Lord? And are we his disciples who love him and follow him wherever, wherever he goes? And that's where this simple practice will lead. This is just one way in which I've experienced it. I've had this experience in the time that I've spent working in parishes. Let's say that you've just celebrated the eight o'clock uh, morning mass in the parish and uh, you've been back in the sacristy, some people have come to talk to you and so forth, and you have a nine o'clock meeting across the parking lot over in the rectory, and you leave the church, it's maybe uh, just a minute or two before nine o'clock, and you're going to be there just in time for the meeting, and as you're crossing the parking lot, a man or a woman, uh, let's say a woman approaches you in evident distress and says, Father, I really need to speak to you. Would you have a moment right now? Okay, you have a choice. Uh, there are people waiting for you in a meeting, in a room in the rectory. And here is a person whose need has suddenly presented itself to you. And at least when I'm at my most spiritually aware, I will do pretty much what uh, Cardinal Cantalamesa proposes. 
and just very briefly, of course, you have only a moment to do this, uh, ask the Lord what he wants. And I may recognize that there is such urgency in this need that everything else needs to take a back seat. And the meeting can go on. I'll join it 15 minutes, 20 minutes late, whatever it may turn out to be. Or I may, because I know maybe some of the factors involved, be able to recognize that this is something that uh, can be met just a little bit later and that this woman will be fine with that and very warmly and kindly ask her, could we meet uh, maybe just about an hour from now and know that that will work well. So you want Jesus to be Lord. You want Jesus to be Lord of your life every day. And you make these decisions in, in the Lord. And what you find again, as I've said, is that this brings so much peace into your heart, so much peace into your life. And again, if I do this in the way that I'm proposing, what I will do is when I do make my exam in prayer at some later point in the day, I'll take a look at that again and be able with the Lord, hopefully to see more clearly, yes, that was the right decision. Uh, it was my best decision. I did it with peace, but I can learn from it too, that another time maybe there would be a better way to handle this, or I may be confirmed and that actually was uh, the best way to handle it. And um, what you were asking of me, Lord, in that setting. Another way of describing these steps that I'm uh, putting out there now, pray, review the factors, make your best decision, do it with peace, review and learn, is in the vocabulary of St. Thomas Aquinas when he speaks about the virtue of prudence. What we're really talking about here is the application of this Thomistic virtue of prudence lived on the level of faith. So it's what St. Thomas calls the supernatural virtue of prudence, applying that to the, uh, the choices that we make in the course of the days of our life. And so there are the three steps. You take counsel, that's the re review the factors, get familiar with the different factors involved in the one option or the other, come to a judgment, this is the best option in the situation, and then what he calls command, uh, do it, uh, put it into practice. And I'm, what I'm adding around that is to begin this with prayer and then review and learn from it. Okay, let's take uh, a leap now to uh, another set of choices, which will get closer. To, can you see, by the way, that in what we've said, we've already answered the question of how to, to discern in most of the choices that we face in life? Not all. So let's look at Robert's experience. Um, to introduce another set of choices. So Robert says, when I went to college, I started going to daily mass. That was where the idea of a vocation started to be stirred. So it's evident already that we're speaking about a much more significant choice here. I went to daily mass all year. I was also making visits to the Blessed Sacrament. That was where I first felt deep, deep stirrings in my heart. I really started feeling the pull. I would spend an hour before the Blessed Sacrament in the evening, absorbed in peace and serenity. I said to myself, whatever this is, I want it. If it means being a priest, I'll do it. So the question of a possible call from God to the priesthood has now awakened for Robert in a new way. Let's just note in passing the link between the Eucharist and discernment, something we'll come back to. In my sophomore year in college, I started dating Helen. I really learned from her what it means to love. I was in love with her and she with me. 
She blew my horizons into eternity. I could see endless possibilities of life with Helen. All that stuff about being in love and self-sacrifice, I would have given my life for her. Sometimes she would be in the chapel too when I was praying in the evening and I would say, Lord, the love I have for you and for Helen are the same thing. At the same time, when I was dating Helen, the idea of the priesthood became solid for me, real and consistent. Several persons asked me if I'd ever thought of being a priest. So obviously a vocational discernment has arisen here between priesthood and marriage, and both are very real for Robert. One day I had lunch with the priest who was the chaplain. I really liked him. He was real and he seemed happy. He told me that he thought I would make a good priest and that I should consider the priesthood. For the first time this became real and I started to get scared. So I told Helen that we needed just to be friends. It was very hard. She knew I was thinking of the priesthood. I finished my degree and started teaching. Once I was talking with a friend who told me that I needed to do something, that I'd been on this marriage priesthood seesaw for two or three years. I said to myself, yes, he's right. It's time for me to face this question. So, how will Robert discern? Obviously, the criteria that we have expounded uh, upon in these three preceding sets of choice choices, and none of these are going to help him. This is not a choice between a good and a bad thing, but between a good thing and a good thing, priesthood and marriage. This is not a choice between one good thing and another good thing that can be resolved by the duties of one state in life, because obviously he hasn't chosen that yet, and this is precisely the discernment of his state of life. And obviously this is a very significant, really the most significant discernment, that is vocation, that a person faces. So Anthony praying for a few moments as he's driving home in the car obviously is going to be insufficient. So we have a fourth category of choices, which I'm calling significant choices. And our question is, how do we discern when we face significant choices? Three factors will be present in every one of what I'm calling significant choices. That both options are good for Robert, marriage and priesthood. The person is free to choose either. Robert is free to choose priesthood or marriage. And this is a choice of some significance where a more in-depth process of discernment is very likely to be necessary. So how will Robert discern? All right, we'll stop there. We'll take our break and we'll pick up with this question when we come back. You've been listening to the audio taken from the seminar on discerning the will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download other recordings from this seminar and so much more from Father Gallagher, visit discerninghearts.com or locate them within the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view this series of talks on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Discerning the Will of God with Father Timothy Gallagher.